Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. Let me just put my stuff down here. I'm quite uncoordinated at the best of times. You may take a seat. And uh, let, let me just get myself sorted here. But I, first, I just want to say what a privilege and an honor for me to be here today um, speaking to you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Pastor Dave, to come down. It, it tr- truly is an honor to come and spend time with you. My name, like um, like he said, is uh, Chris. I am originally from New Zealand, um, so we share a strong rugby uh, bond, don't, don't we, the Welsh? And uh, I, my wife and I have been in London for 13 years. I originally came over to London to play rugby to, uh, as a school teacher. And I wandered into a church, a service just like tonight, and uh, was sitting near the back, and uh, Pastor Gary, our pastor, gave, gave me an opportunity, gave everyone there an opportunity, if they wanted to turn from their, their life, the their, their life that they were living, and turn towards Jesus, and to follow Jesus, and if, if life was empty. And, you know, I certainly had looked in every possible place that I could for, for fulfillment, for love, for, for everything like that. And on that day... I decided to put my faith in Jesus. I took my faith off other things. Decided to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the biggest challenge, the biggest thing going on in my head, this is just to show you how shallow I am. I was like, Jesus, if, you know, do I want to have fun or do I want to become boring and become a Christian? Like what, what am I going to, what's this big decision? Do I stay fun or become boring? You know what? I'm willing to become boring for you, Jesus. But I realize that you don't have to be boring, actually, to uh, be a Christian, that you can have fun. And uh, just like tonight, I can just see a whole lot of people who love Jesus, who love others. And uh, truly, tonight I just want to share about things that God has done in my life, the change that has occurred from me being, I don't know, living for who I am to living for a life for Jesus. And um, I just want to say, Pastor Ray, um, you over the years... Speaking into Hillsong London, um, you know, what an incredible gift. I love, I love when you call him the general, you know, is, is, is here tonight because the fact is he has literally led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord in our church in, in, in Hillsong London. There's been young people who are living this way and, and after hearing the word spoke are now going this way. And uh, it's amazing from staff camps to uh, just every time. So uh, it, for me... For me, it's kind of like, it's super humbling. I'm like, have you got something to preach? I'll sit down and take notes, you know what I mean? I'm kind of, I'm kind of nervous, I'm sweating, you know, um, because it, it really, so uh, I just honor you, you know, for who you are and what you've done. And um, truly, it just shows you, it just shows you the influence you all can have. And you know what I speak about, Pastor Ray? It's not just him, it's actually all of you. Just allowing him to, to be who he has been um, has literally, you have re- literally reached thousands and thousands of lives. You know, we, two weeks ago, we had 480 people make decisions um, on a Sunday, which was, uh, which was incredible. It was uh, an amazing, an amazing Sunday. And I think over this year from our church, there's been already about 4,000 people that have made decisions for Jesus Christ. Another 3,000 new people that, that are coming along. And uh, tonight... Tonight, I want to come and speak hope, and I want to come and speak faith into what you're doing, because I believe, I believe God wants to do something great with this. I love, I love your pastors, I love Pastor Paul and Pastor Dave, sorry, incredible people, 
incredible people. The moment, the moment I met Dave, I was just like, I like this guy. I like him. Like, you guys came to our Christmas party, eh, like a few years ago, and um, it was just like they were just part of the crew, you know what I mean? Like, um, part of that. And I was just saying, would you mind... Would you mind if we brought our Hillsong worship team down here like for a few Wednesdays? I was thinking like every three, four months we could come down and do a Wednesday night thing and people could bring friends. And I just want to say we are committed to you. We believe in you and, uh, and we want to be part of what's happening here early on before you get too big and famous to talk to us. You know what I mean? Okay, so, so, so if we just, if we get involved, you know, just talk to us on the streets, you know what I mean? Like when you're, uh, when you're big and famous and all that type of stuff. But uh, truly it'd be an honor to, uh, to come down and serve here and bring down our team. Our team, our team would, would be scrambling over each other to come down and to serve you guys and just give an opportunity to... Uh, see people bring friends and all that kind of stuff for the night so it'd be uh it'd be amazing but we're in for the long haul and uh with you guys and uh just really really believe in all that what you'll be pleased to know i've got a timer like isn't it always nice when you actually see that the speaker has a timer and he's not just and he, he or she's just not going off their own uh, back so I've, I've got a timer tonight but I'm going to get into the scriptures and all that type of stuff. I, um, you know, I suppose, first of all, I just want to share a little bit about my story, um, a little bit about how I first got involved. Like I said, I made a decision for Jesus Christ. In a way, I, I don't really know who's here tonight, whether you're serving, whether you're attending, whether you're here for the first time. But for me, I got a revelation of the church, and I just wanted to get involved. I, I suppose for me, it was the way I was brought up. Mum said, if you're going to come and eat at the table, you need to bring something to the table or take something away from the table and tidy up at the end of the night. So that's kind of been just the way, the way I've been brought up and the way that I've, I've kind of thought. So I wanted to get involved. Now, I, um, I'd, I'd grown up coming to church a little bit. I kind of thought church was put on for me just to enjoy, you know what I mean, and, 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 and no one else. So when I first joined team, I joined this team called the New Christian Team where you would take a Bible to someone. Who, who made a decision at the end of the service. The way we do it is you'd raise your hand where, you are, uh, where, you know, where, where you're sitting in the service and someone would bring your Bible onto the... So I thought, wow, that's a pretty good team. See, I wanted to join a team. This was my thinking that was easy because, you know, I got to hear people like Pastor, Pastor Ray come and speak and all I had to do was just, you know, throw a Bible at someone afterwards and uh, it was going to be an amazing, you know, amazing team to be part of. So... First Sunday, I join the team, and they give me the seat, and I'm like, this is a brilliant seat. I get a great kind of view at the show, you know what I mean, you know? Um, and, and I'm there, and then someone comes and taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? They said, there's, there's a line of people outside who, wanna, who, who, haven't, who aren't part of our church, and they want to get in. So you're on team, so you need to leave the service and give someone your seat. And I'm like, are you, what do you what do you mean me give up my seat? Do, can you see I'm serving Jesus right here? Like I'm serving Jesus and you want me to leave and give someone else my seat who doesn't know Jesus. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. How, how much does this church want from me? You know, when I said Jesus use me, I didn't mean use me. I didn't mean like actually do that. So I left the service, took my Bible and um, went and sat down in the foyer 
And they said, hey, come back, come back, and um, at the end of the service, and if someone's made a decision, then you can give your Bible. I walk in, the person in my seat made a decision for Jesus. Yeah, which, is, which was awesome. But I was like, fantastic, you, here's the Bible, you made a decision. Um, Jesus loves you, and we love you, and, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, but the fact is, I didn't get to be in church this week. So I come back next week, got my seat, favorite speaker, favorite worship song, all that type of stuff. Tap, 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 tap. You need to leave again because there's people. I'm like, this church is ridiculous, you know? I'm, I'm hating this church right now. I can't believe that I'm trying to come to church to receive for God to pour into me, and now I've got to leave. So left the service again, come back in, person saved. Here's your Bible. Thank you. Go home. You know what I mean? Get kind of stuff. Next week, third week, tap, 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 leave. Fourth week, tap, tap, tap. I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? Five weeks. They keep tapping. On the sixth week, something happened in my heart. You know, I didn't want to ever go to church again. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, something changed. But I come in and actually when I saw six people had been saved in the seat that I was sitting in. And on that moment, I, all I can do is that it stopped becoming about me. And it started becoming about, about us, about we, about, about the church. That, it, 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 you know, something had broken in me where it wasn't about just what I wanted to do. And it wasn't about, about me receiving. For some reason, and that God had done something in my heart, and he'd kind of tried to fast track it, I think, because certainly pushed a few buttons in me. But... After that moment, I, ju- I saw people different. I actually saw church different. I saw that I was coming to church, that church existed for those that weren't here. And something changed in my life. And it was, a, it was an incredible, incredible thing. And for me, the journey from that moment forward has just been about building church, about seeing other people encounter Jesus. That's why I'm so happy to be here tonight, speaking about the thing I love the most, about the local church, about about. You know, this habitat where actually God creates for you and I to to be joined together in community, that He can actually do something in your heart and build some stuff into your life. So so I wanna I wanna tell you a story, okay? And this story is gonna kinda kick off my the, the rest of the points, all that type of stuff. But it was it's actually a story about my wife. Now, my wife, when she used to go on summer holidays, she would go to a place that was you know, like some people go to Disneyland, you know, when they're a child for holidays. You know, some people go to Cardiff. You know, some people go to London. Some, some people do other stuff. But some people, I, I, I don't know what the worst town in, in Wales would be. And you don't need to call it out, okay, right, right now. But whatever the worst town is, my wife would go to that one in New Zealand where she was from. And she would go there and she'd stay at a gr- great, great grandmother's house, which just was like, just a small little place with one of those stoves that would heat the whole house up. Pretty much there was only a double bed to sit in. It was a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, that, 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 that kind of thing. And she had a black and white TV. And as you're a kid growing up, like from 6, 7, 8, 19, all she remembers is just going to this house in the middle of summer, sitting in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory bed with all the kind of relatives and watching black and white television. She was just like, it was the worst summer. Just over and over again, black and white television, black and white television, black and white television, all this kind of stuff. Great-great-grandmother dies. Incredibly sad, okay? And they all go to the funeral. Um, they're back at the house. Guess what they're doing? Sitting in bed. Guess what they're watching? Black and white television. Until Uncle Brian, because 
there's not enough room to move around. So he's, he's walking around trying not to bump things, and he bumps, and he bumps the, the TV, and it comes color. He, and they're just like, oh, what, what just happened? Are you telling me for 10 years we've been watching TV black and white, and it could have been color? And they felt like waking her up and just shaking her, you know what I mean? Like, what have you done to us? But, but she was saying in her family, I've talked, and they said in this one moment, there was just this realization, this illumination of like what things were black and white, but they became color. And it was just like, that, there was the shock. When you talk to Kim, she still cries about that moment. You know what I mean? We're like, oh my gosh, can you believe that? And for me, over the years, in this journey of the last 13 years from the most selfish guy on earth to Mother Teresa, and no, I'm just joking, you know what I mean, is, um, is, is been this journey. There's just been milestones of these TV moments in my life where, where there's just been, things have been dull and black and white, and God's just gone, wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a revelation of your goodness and your love. And I want to share some of these tonight. I've got six points, and um, I don't preach long. I preach powerful, but I don't preach long. So, so I've got six points tonight, really six of these moments that I want to share with you that hopefully help you in your journey. But you know, most of all, help you in your journey. Help those people that are yet to come. Help those hundreds of people, thousands of people that are yet to pour in these doors and are going to be built into this community. So here we go. Number one, what's next will look different to what you think it will. There we go. What's next will look different to how you think. What's next will look different to how you think. Now, I, I think for so many people, I don't know about you guys, but for us in London, there, you know, when you're serving God and you're, and you're coming to church, you've got all these ideas about your life and how life's going to go. And you're raising a family and you and you're and you're doing your best to be a dad, a mom, maybe you're dating and you're looking, you know, across the, the room or wherever you're looking, you know what I mean, to, uh, to find out, you know, what God's got for you. And if we're not careful, we so quickly, we decide for God what God's got for us, don't we? We decide, we're like, God, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to build the church this way and you're going to build it like line upon line and you're just going to like, it's going to go this way and the growth curve's going to be this and it's just going to like, it's going to be amazing. And um, I've, I've found that not to be the case in the slightest in what God is doing. Because if you've got your Bibles, why don't we turn to Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. This is what it says. I love the scripture. I love it so much. It says, forget the past. I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun to do it. Do you not see it? I will make a way through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wastelands. That's the NIV version of what, of what the scripture says. Forget the past. Now, now, what's so amazing, when you start looking at the scripture and you start unpacking the scripture, see, I, when I first read this, I thought, forget the past. You know, yeah, that's the tough times that they had, the, the past times, the tough times. Oh, things have been so so tough. And, you know, I think you've only got to be alive five minutes to realize that there's good times and tough times. And when I was reading the scripture, I was thinking it was the Israelites when they were talking back to, you know, when they're looking back on their lives. But actually, when you actually read this and you get into the commentaries, what it's saying is, 
It's, it's, it's not the bad times that are holding you back. It's the good times that are holding you back. You're looking back to the times where everything was great and you're looking back to when everything was going good and that's what's holding you back. It's not the bad stuff. It's not that tough time and it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm looking. No, no, no. God's saying, he's saying, forget the past. I want you to forget those times where it was like, it was this and it was that and wow, and, and that happened and that happened. He says, I'm about to do something. I hope you get this tonight. I'm, a, I'm about to do something new. Do you know the amazing thing about something new? This is so deep, you know, I mean, this is incredible. You've never seen it before. <laughs> so, you don't know what it looks like. Which means, the thing that's new, how can it be wrong if you don't know what the thing actually looks like? It could be the exact thing that God wants you to do, but you've written it off because you don't think it's how you thought, but how are you meant to think because you don't know because it's new and you've never seen it before. Think about that for a minute. Think about that on the way home. Try not to crash, but you, you know what I mean. God, if God wants to do something new, you don't know what it is. And I felt like God saying to me over the years, Chris, you've put me in a box. You're, you're thinking that I'm going to do it this way and you think that I'm going to take your life this way and you think that I'm, you're, you're going to serve this way and you think that you're going to give all your gifts and talents to the church this way and all that kind of stuff. And I thank God. You know what I thank God for? I thank God for leadership in my life. I thank God that there's God and I thank God for leaders in my church because things couldn't have gone how I thought. But what I can, I, I can look back now, 13 years ago, and I thank God for that. See, Gary asked me to come on staff. Um, I was a school teacher. He had never met me before. Gary had never met me before. And someone said, Gary wants to meet you. And I'm like, oh, cool. Come meet Gary. Hi, my name's Chris. He goes, hi, I'm Gary. I'd like to offer you a job. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I haven't even had time to like, pretend I'm really nice and like, you know, suck up to you and like all that kind of stuff. What, what do you mean? Like, you, I haven't like smiled at you and like brought you flowers and all this kind of stuff. And he said, I've, I've seen the way you've served. I've seen the way you've load, loaded the truck. I've seen the way you've brought Bibles to people and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, okay. Wow. Okay. Awesome. That, that'd be great. Actually, it'd be, it'd be, a, be a good thing. So then three weeks later, Gary comes to me and says, hey, you know how I asked you to be a pastor? And I had, you know, I had my CD set all designed, you know what I mean? Like how, how I was going to do it. And I'd practiced raising my voice at the right time on the mirror. Hey, well, oh! because, you know, no, it's, no, it's more. Whoa, there you go. It's more powerful that way, okay? It's more powerful. And I'd practice all of this stuff. I'd practice all of this stuff. And Gary said, I want you to be the kids pastor. I'm like, you tricked me. You tricked me. I had my whole life set like this, and now you've, you've done this. God, I don't think you're in this. I think the man's evil, you know what I mean? Like all, all of this kind of stuff. But I decided, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my future. You promote all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Then a few weeks, like Gary, Gary just said a few simple things. He said, hey, just answer your phone when I call. So I thought, I'll take that literally. So I was showering one day, and uh, my phone was there. Gary calls me. I kind of turn the shower off and, you know, dry and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, hey, Gary. And he's kind of, he's kind of like freaking out. I'm like, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm off to the airport. I've got to go and sort something out in some country, some 
pastor's been crazy somewhere. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You do that. He goes, but I need you to preach tonight. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's finally realized my talent. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. He finally gets it. He finally gets it. He finally gets that the kid's pastor is a preacher. And I'm just like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And then, I I wish he had stopped then. Because this is what he said to me. He goes, I won't say that word because it's not a swear word, but you know what I mean? It's not kind of, anyway. Anyway, I'll tell you later. He goes, I wish people would answer their phones. You're the eighth person I've phoned. I was like, what? So you called seven other people before me. You've called seven. I'm the eighth. I'm like, there ain't even seven people that make sense in our church. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm the eighth. And then... If I couldn't be feeling any worse, he goes, I suppose you'll do. Hang up. That kind of didn't go how I thought it would go. A few years later, I'm serving in church and all this type of stuff, our Surrey pastor. So I oversee all our campuses now. We've got five campuses, but every Sunday, well, the last five, I haven't really been there that much because I'm, I'm around, but I'm normally in Guildford, our Guildford campus, and Gary... I knew we were looking for a, a new campus pastor for that campus. We, you know, a campus is kind of like a big thing, I thought, in the life of our church. I'm walking down the street, and I get a text from Gary. I'm like, which is kind of always a bit of a freak out. You're like, oh, okay. And he texts, and he goes, this was a text, how about Surrey? That was the text. I'm like, are you asking me to take on a campus? You, you can't do that. You've got to sit down and tell me how nice I am and how awesome I am and how incredible I am and how much of a blessing I am to the body of Christ and all this type of stuff. He just goes, how about sorry? And I was like, what do I, how do you respond to this? I'm like, God. I, I, so I was like, God, I'm going to trust you. I just went, sure, sounds good. And I walked home, I said, <laughs> I walked in the door, hey, darling, I think we're moving um, to, uh, to Surrey. And she's like, awesome. Let's bring on what God's going to do. I think I'm doing a good job, guys, because he hasn't spoken to me for four years about it. Um, so I'm either doing a real good job or a real bad job. I don't, I don't really know. I, I kind of just presume that I'm doing a good job. The reason I share that is because I just think, I just think in my journey, I've seen too many people that, that, People come and there's opportunities left, right and center to serve and there's opportunities here and the opportunity to put the chairs out and the opportunities to to welcome the people and there's opportunities to be on the worship team and there's opportunities to be at the sound and opportunities to clean stuff up and opportunities to do this. And we're like, God, use me, God, use me. And God's like, here's an opportunity to clean the thing and here's an opportunity. And we're like, and we're like no, 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 no. God's, God's got something because it's in my mind. You know what I mean? I've got something. It's, I've, I, I thought about it, so it's, it's God. You know what I mean? And God's like, no, 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 but what, a, what about that thing? Like, answer your phone. Like, turn up on time. Like, host the thing. Do what, this is the thing. This is doing what's in your hand that's going to lead you to that God-given heart. And I think so many people miss out on the God-given destiny. God has put stuff on your heart. And He wants to see it come to the floor. But you've got to do what's in your hand. The thing is, what I'm learning is what's in your hand looks boring. And it looks average. And it looks like carrying this up. And it looks like standing at a door. But as you do that, and as you mature, God steps you into what He's got. And it's a beautiful thing. 
Like I even looked to like, where is it? Two Kings, two Kings chapter five and Naaman, you know, this, 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 you know, the, the leader of the army comes and he's, he's got leprosy. He's got fingers and toes falling off and all that type of stuff. And he's like the man, but he can't fix it. He goes to the house of Elisha and says, I want to be healed. Elisha's just, He's still watching the World Cup on the couch. He doesn't even go to the door. He sends out the the servant who says, just go and wash. Just go and wash. And this is is incredible. Um, uh, Verse 11, but Naaman became angry and he stalked away. He thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave. See, I expected something, but I didn't get it. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and all these other rivers better than the rivers of Why shouldn't I wash myself in them and be healed? And Naaman turned away and he went away in a rage because it didn't go how he thought. Because <laughs> it didn't come packaged how he thought. Because God wants to do something new. And God wants to do something different. So Naaman finally went down to the river and he dipped himself in seven times as God had said. And he, became, and he was healed and he got his miracle. And I've just come to realize that if I can get over myself and my expectations, see, you know, do you know what, you know what people who are disillusioned is? A lot of that is just unmet expectations that you've put on yourself or of God. And, and the fact is, God put, there's a God-given dream in every person's heart. And I think that as together, we just do what's in our hand. Because what else can we do? You've got to do what's in your hand and it can seem average and it can, can seem ordinary. It's saying yes to the text. It's, it's saying I'm up for doing what I'm doing. That I believe that God can step us into our God-given future and what he wants to do. Are you encouraged with point number one? I hope so. Point number two, your outlook on life, your outlook on life will determine what you see in life. Your outlook on life. I wonder... I wonder, to, I wonder tonight, like, what do you see when you see? What do you see when you look around? Like, what do you see when you, you, you see your church or you see your husband or your wife or you see your friends? Like, what do you actually see? Like, what are you seeing in them? I Because um, I, would, I would propose to you tonight is, is what you look for is what you'll find. I, um, I take a trip to India every year to Mumbai. Um, we partner with a guy over there who's doing a whole lot of great stuff um, in the slums and all that type of stuff. And I, took, um, I take about 20 people. One year, my secretary and her husband came on the trip and all this type of stuff. She, she had put the trip off for years because she hated rats. And I was just like, her name was Tamara. I was like, Tamara, the fact is I've never seen a rat in India. So I don't even know what you're talking about um i mean this year we were staying at the at the airport i realized that our hotel was called the four season hotel four season there was no s um and i realized that that s makes a big difference um when it comes to hotels but we turn up there we're checking in we we all check in and come out and we're having like lunch in front of the hotel she comes screaming out ah I've seen three rats. I've seen three rats. And she's like screaming and like jumping and all this type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like in a kind of girly way and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, what's your problem? She said, I've seen three rats before I even put my bag in the room. And then she goes, look, there's one down there. And there was just like a rat walking across like the road. I said, oh, 
I get it. I said, you're looking for them, aren't you? <laughs> I said, don't look for them. If you look for rats, you'll see rats. Just keep your head up, you know, and just look at the skyline and look at, look at what's ahead, you know. And uh, so we still have a good laugh about that at, at her extent. But, you know, when you read Romans, you read Romans chapter 4, verse seven, 17 and 18. Um, it says, Abraham believed in a God who could bring dead things back to life. And he called things that weren't there as though they were. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you would have. Abraham, being a man of faith, called things that weren't there as though they were. And I think one thing I learned in life is that if I actually look at church as the way it is, I'm probably going to be disappointed. If I look at my friends the way they are, I'm going to be disappointed. You know what I thank God for? And I've got a friend called Des here who's, who's come with me. I've got a friend here who's been a friend in church for years. He now serves on our team. He doesn't see me as the leader I'm an, I am. Because I don't want him to do that. <laughs> he sees me and treats me as the leader I can be. And I think the worst thing you could do is what I tell our team. Don't walk into church and see church as it is. You're crazy. Any old person can just like wake up in the morning and just be like, things are bad. You know, oh man, this is bad or that is bad. You, any old idiot can do that. You just walk around. I call them mosquito people. They're like, oh, things are so bad. And they're just, ah. Oh. And you see them coming and you're like, oh no, they're going to talk to me. And I'm just, I'm just going to feel so bad and so horrible. And I, 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 today I just thought things were going so great. And now I'm going to just be told how bad things are, you know. You know, if you've got friends like that, get some new ones. Like, oh, honestly, Kick them to the curb, you know, just find some happy people. Find some people that are going to speak life. Find some people that are going to speak hope because you don't want people like that in your world. People like my, like my secretary tomorrow who just look for bad things or rats, you know, because if you look for it, you'll find it. And I want to say to you through eyes of faith tonight, church, don't look. Keep your, keep your eyes up. What can this church become? Look at that church. What can your leaders become? Look to those people. What can your husband and your wife become? I thank God for my wife. She doesn't treat me as a husband I am. I mean, thank God for that. You know what I mean? Whew. She speaks She speaks to the man of God that I can be. And if there's frustrations tonight in marriage, then I think you're just looking at the person you're married to. Don't do that. You're crazy. You're crazy. Don't look to who they are. Look to who they can be. Look to who they are in Christ. Look to see how Christ sees them. A man of God, a woman of God, loved. It's so easy just to be negative. I've, I've worked that out there. It's so easy to be, you know, the problem's not the problem, I've found out. The problem's how we see the problem. And um, how are we seeing things? How are we seeing our church? How are we seeing our leaders? How are we seeing our relationships? So that's one thing that I've learned is uh, your outlook on life will determine what you see in life. Number three, your response is critical. This is a big thing that I've learned. You know, 
I used to be someone I think that would go a little bit with the flow. If things were happy, I'm Mr. Happy Guy. If things were like tough, I'd walk around, oh, you know, things are so tough. But, you know, when I look at Luke chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, verse 38, this is what it says. Give and you will receive. The gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and pouring out in your lap. The, the, now, this is the line, people, okay? The amount you give will be determined by the amount that you give back. I love it. NIV says, the measure you use will be the measure that comes back to you. See, you know what's so key about this? It's what you do that comes back to you. It's not what comes to you. It's what you do. So what are, what are we doing? Are we just, I, I honestly think so many people are just ruled by what happens to them. You come to work, your boss is in a bad mood. Oh, my day's going to be bad. My boss is happy, which sometimes is scarier. But you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's like, ah, oh, my boss is happy. We're going to have a happy day. My, my partner's happy. They're sad. My kids are this. My, and, and then we just go through life and we're just affected. We're affected by everyone. I don't feel like it today. You know, can I, can I just say something? I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I come to church for 52 weeks of the year. Do you know I reckon I feel like coming about 38 times? <laughs> I've done the maths. I feel like coming 38 times out of 52. The other how many, I'm not that, I wasn't a maths teacher, okay. Whatever that number is, 14 or whatever, I think it is. Something, yeah, brilliant. Um, whatever that number is, I choose on those days. I choose to turn up, and I say, I will praise you, and I will rejoice. I will be glad. I don't have a luxury to be down. I was telling Des on the way here. Oh, I mean, I'd love to just be in a bad mood sometimes. I said, but, but I don't have that luxury. I think life's too short for me to be like that to affect the people that are around me in my world. I can't afford. I can't afford to be down. I can't afford to be like that. I, I think that We've got to choose through who? The blood of Christ and what Jesus has done in our life and everything that he's done for us and everything that he's given us is that the measure that we use will be the measure that comes back to us. I say to young preachers, I'm like, young preachers, you know, they're like, I want to preach, I want to preach, or I want to worship lead, you know, I want to worship lead. I'm like, um, preacher, can you preach to yourself? You know, can you preach yourself out of bed in the morning? Well, maybe when you can do that, you can come and preach. Worship leader, can you worship lead yourself happy? You know what I mean? I want to be a worship leader. Yeah, no, but look at you. You look like your cat died every day. Thanks <laughs> like your, your cat has passed away. You know what I mean? And um, I think as Christians, as people in the Word of God, we are called to, we're called to just lead in a way where the measure we use is a measure that comes back to us. You know when the Bible says, love your enemies? Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever wondered what that means or what that is and how ridiculous that kind of sounds? See, the amazing thing about the scripture about loving your enemies is the moment you love your enemy, your enemy doesn't have power or control over you. Because if your enemy, and the word enemy means someone pitched an attitude towards you, okay? So if your enemy hates you and you hate back, they're controlling you. Because they hated you first, so you responded. But if an enemy hates you and you love them back, there is no control there, eh? You're like, is that all you got? 
Is that all you've got? And I think too many people are controlled by the haters or by people who live in a certain way. Why don't we be people, church, that respond in a different way? So when your boss is like doing all this or whoever's doing all this, you're like, I'm not affected by that. That's just you and you are in your situation. And, and uh, cool, um, I might just get on. With, are you finished? Because uh, I might just, uh, I'm just going to do something right now. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think if we could be Christians like that, if we could be people, that if we look at everything that Christ has done for us and we live from that, you know, we live from that. We don't look around here and live and live from, 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 from anything else. Number four, encourage yourself in the Lord. Man, I've learned this one. Pastor Ray and I were talking about um, Pastor Gary tonight, you know, in a, in a loving way. Gary Clark, who's met Gary or seen Gary or, or anything like that? Cool. If you know him. He's a, he's a fantastic guy, but you wouldn't call him, Ray, the most kind of, he's not, um, he's not an exuberant kind of guy. He wouldn't run over and give you a hug, would he, and kind of all that kind of stuff. He might be like, if he hasn't seen Ray for a year, he might be like, oh, hi, you, you know what I mean, um, kind of thing. And, and I've, served for, I've served for years with Gary. I think, you know, it's been awesome, but he doesn't come and tell me how great I am every day. Like, like I said, I think I'm doing a good job. You know, four years later after doing sorry, he doesn't come and tell me, pat me on the shoulder. Like, I hadn't met the guy when he asked me to give me a job. So it's not as if there's tons of feedback coming back, how well you're doing. You know, if you're not doing something well, he just doesn't ask you again and ask someone else, you know. So that's kind of no, you know, when you're doing it well. But, but what I've come to learn about this point in my journey is, unless I can encourage myself, I'm toast. I'm dead. I'm roadkill because otherwise I'm just looking around for this encouragement that's never going to come. It's never going to come. And I think sometimes we look to the wrong people for the wrong things. Um, I, know, I know 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. I love this scripture. One of my favorite ones. Here we go. If we put that up, I think I gave it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but if that doesn't prove I'm right, it is the Lord himself will, that will examine me and decide. You know what? This, this scripture set me free. This scripture says, I don't care what you think of me. The fact is, I don't care what I think of me. <laughs> Which is even going to another level. I only care what the God of heaven thinks of me. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think we learn at school that we don't have to worry about peer pressure, you know? So I don't care what others think of me. And I think sometimes we can get that one down. But then it goes through, it says, I don't care what I think of me. Isn't that crazy? That even our heart can lie to us. Even, you know, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, when my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. Because we even attack ourselves. If it's not other people attacking us, we're attacking ourselves. And we're putting little thoughts in our own head. Do you really want to go to that? Do you really want to do that? Do you really, do you really, do you really? And I think we've got to come across against what other people say. We've got to come against what we say about ourselves. And we've got to look to a God of heaven that can encourage us. In um, 2 Samuel chapter 30, one scripture I think that, I think if I hadn't read this, I'm not sure if I'd be, I'm not sure if I'd be doing what I was doing. You know, one of those scriptures where you just, it, it, it's, 
there's, there's just profound truths. I don't know how you feel tonight, but if you're in a place where you, the world has kind of, kind of beaded you down to you're just like, man, I don't know if I can get up. Oh, sorry. There we go. I'm wrecking your stage. But um, David, it said that David, David went on a raiding party. He comes back. His family's been kidnapped. All his stuff's been taken. He's sitting down. He's having a cry. He's a bit of a sissy boy. You know, he's crying. And he's just there crying away. And then it says all his men turn on him. And they're about to kill him. So his stuff's gone. His people have kind of left. And now they're going to turn and kill him. And in this moment, what do you do? How do you feel? And I just started thinking, you know, sometimes in the last 13 years, I've felt like that. I'm like, God, what, what can I do now? Who's going to encourage me now? And then I look to the scripture. You look at this last line. It's so good. It's incredible. It, says, it goes on, blah, 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 and they're bitter and all this. But it says, David found strength in the Lord, his God. And I, I read that for the first time. And, and another version says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Like David encouraged himself. David looked to everything that God was and everything that Jesus had done for him on the cross and he started encouraging himself on that. And he started speaking to his heart and he started speaking to his life and he started speaking to who he was and he found strength and he got up and it says they went out and they did things better than they'd ever done before. They went back and got their families back. They got all the the loot back. They came back with more than they'd ever had. People tried to get them down. They tried to... You know, keep them down, be found strength in the Lord. And I want, I, want to, I want to speak to every individual here tonight. I'm not speaking to groups. I'm not speaking to marriages. I'm not. This is about you. If you have the ability to encourage yourself in the Lord, you, I, I believe you can step into everything that's God got for you. Because the pats on the back come and go. The people telling you how awesome you are come and go. I mean, I've had people. I had one guy literally, like, Probably about, a, probably about a year into being a pastor. He meets me in the foyer after the service. He goes, Chris, can I speak to you? He goes, you, he goes you're preaching today. He goes, oh my gosh, can I buy you preaching lessons? I've never heard anything like this before. Can I just, oh my gosh, I've decided I want to I buy you preaching lessons. You're terrible. And I'm just sitting there going, no, this is the stuff people say to pastors. Seriously, like, you think everyone's nice. <laughs> And I'm like, and I had a decision right then. What do I do? Do I like kick him somewhere that would hurt or punch him in the head or like whatever? I said, I said, thanks, man. Thank, I, I appreciate that. You're, you're such a nice person. Um, thank you. And I just walked away going, oh, God. I poured my heart out to these people. And this guy just told me I'm terrible and he wants to buy me preaching lessons. The fact is, I think he only came for two more weeks. So who cares? Um, I mean, I, I have tried to improve over the years. But, yeah, you know, the fact is I've worked out that it's not even that. It's actually what God's doing in your heart. And the fact is if you can find strength in the Lord, you're going to get through what you're going through now. If you're here today going, but people don't encourage me, but that person, don't worry about it. Because the heart can never have enough encouragement. You can never have enough pats on the back. You can never have enough of that. You've got to find, you've got to find strength in the Lord your God. And that has got me through seasons of good times and seasons of bad times. Number five, where does your motivation come from? 
could could my personal keyboardist come up and start playing some uh, thank you uh, some music your motivation is critical your motivation what do I mean by that why are you doing what you're doing you know when your feet hit the floor Friday morning is it Friday tomorrow yes it is when your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning why are you going about your day what is it what is that thing? Because for me, that thing has been tested to the end of itself. Why am I doing it? Why am I building that business? Why am I getting up early? Why am I doing what we're doing? I'm realizing that life is over in the, just in the twinkling of an eye. You know, I, I just think 10 years have gone like that. And um, I'm just, I'm believing that I want to make every day that I've got left on this planet important to God. I want, it, I, I want it to be something that's full of purpose and something that's full of life. You know, I, um, there's, a, there's a scripture. I'll start with this. There's a scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 5. I really want you to write the scripture down, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 12. This scripture completely changed my life. This scripture showed me the heart of God. And I was just thinking about David once again. It said that David had defeated you know, he defeated the enemy. He was in Jerusalem. He's sitting on the wall. He's hanging out. He's looking over his life. He's realizing he's gone back to say, God, why did you take a shepherd boy? And why did you make a shepherd boy a king? You know, he started thinking over his life. He started thinking over why God made him great, why God blessed him. Do you, do you ever wonder that, why God blesses you? I do. I'm like, God, why? Why have you blessed me in my life? And then it, He's sitting down. It says that David finally gets it. David finally realizes why God made him great and why God made him king and why God blessed him. And it says, for the sake of the people. Because, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, if we're not careful, we think God wants to bless us for us. Like, and I, I read this, I was like, God, I've been an idiot. God wants to make me great so I can be great? God, God, you want to bless my business so I can... No, 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 no. God God wants to bless you because if He blesses you, He knows that you'll bless people. <laughs> and that he can, he can bless people through your life. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says that we are God's inheritance. The most precious thing on earth is God's people. You know, the most purposeful, incredible thing you could do with your life is sow your life into other people. To see other people come to know Jesus. To build the biggest church that this, this country has ever seen. To, to have the most friends won for Jesus. Because that's about people. You know, the church is, is the bride of Christ. The church is what Jesus is coming back for. He ain't coming back for stuff. He ain't coming back for fame. He's coming back for who's here. He's coming back for people. And I just determined on that day, God, I've been an idiot for about 27 years. <laughs> but I want my life to be all about those who are yet to come. And you know, I think, I think with that comes uncomfortableness, though, doesn't it? Like in Surrey, where I'm from, I, four years ago, we, we had about 30 connect groups. So we had people that would open their lives. Do you have, you have small groups and that kind of stuff? So we had about 30 small groups. Three Sundays ago, we celebrated 200 small groups. Yeah. 
I've got one guy called James Mole. Um, he just, he's incredible. He's a, he's a crazy connect group building guy. But you know what he did? He wrote a list. Me and him wrote a list of 170 great people in church. And we talked every single one of them into starting a connect group. We said, you know what? We only have 25 because we have them fortnightly. We we're like, why don't you open your life? You open your house to other people. And it's been so tough for some people to go, you know, but I'm busy, Chris. I'm busy. I'm like, we're all busy. What is more important than making room in your calendar for other people? Open your life up. Open your house up. And I've said, you know, for, for, for a lot of people, they go, oh, I'm just going to go through the week and see if I've got time left over for church, time left over for other people. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's no way to live your life. Put it in your calendar today for Sunday. Put in your calendar connect group next week because I think when you get a church that opens their life up to others man it's amazing what God can do you know you know the scripture of the widow and God was pouring the blessing into the containers he just kept pouring the blessing pouring the blessing do you know when the blessing stopped when there was no more containers (laughs) there was no more room to hold the blessing and um I want to encourage us in the community side of church. I don't know who you are today, if that's what you do. Ministries, let's just open our lives. Let's just blow this church wide by by bringing people in, by making room, serving, doing all that type of stuff. Let that be your motivation. Speaking to new people. My last point, as the worship team can come up. This is the one thing that I've learned. People never like it, Ray, when I... um, Pastor Ray, when I put this up, because this point is the point that I think has defined my life the most. I've been someone that has determined to say yes to what I'm asked. I've been someone that if Gary's asked me to do something, um, I've gone, yes, I can do that. You know what? I've become the biggest yes man that you've ever known. The biggest yes man that you could ever know. That, you know, people, people see that as such a negative connotation, don't they? And I love it in worship. God, use me. God, do something with me. God, grow my life. God, expand my life. Hey, can you do that? No. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like, you just prayed for God to open a door or God to use you, but you've said, you've said no. I think, how many times do we just, we shut off what God wants to do. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'm sure you've read this one many times. It says, Now glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or we might think. God wants to stretch us. God wants to grow us. God wants to do more in our lives. And the way to grow people is to say yes is to say, God, use me. God, I'm up for it. I reckon yes is actually the, the word for faith. Because I've just determined when it comes to Gary and it comes to something being asked me, you know the reason I keep speaking about leadership? It's not to pump up Pastor Dave's tires or anything like that or do anything like that. I, I, I just believe God works through leaders. And that's the way that he flows. So I've determined in my life, Gary, Gary will say, hey, Chris, can you do that thing? I'm like, yeah, of course I can do that. 
oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? You know what I mean? And you walk away and you're freaking out how, how you're going to do it. But I want to be someone that says yes, that has stretched my life, that has grown to what God wants to do. I want to say yes will grow your life. If you want your life to move forward, be someone that says yes. If you want your life to be backwards, go backwards, be a no person. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, I can't do that. No, I'm not going to go to that. No, I'm not going to help with that. Let's be people that say yes. Let's decide to say yes today before tomorrow comes. And if you're wondering about the stretch, you know, see, this has been the beautiful thing about yes over the years. Yes has caused me to get on my knees before God. Yes has caused me to trust in a God in heaven. I'll tell you about it. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 in the message, he says, I don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when this came down on us in the Asia province. He goes, it was so bad that we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row and that it was all over. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Wow. The tough time they thought was the bad thing. Paul's saying the bad time could have been the best thing that ever happened to them. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if you've been through tough times, but maybe when you read the scripture, maybe you could say this, I believe, in a few months. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Do you know why? Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Isn't that beautiful? We were forced to trust God. So when you say yes, you're forced to trust God. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so important. I've I've got all the stuff going on. Yeah, but say yes. Trust God. What can God do? You know, you might be like a heart surgeon that does a whole lot of stuff and you've got a whole lot going on in your life, but yet you can play the guitar on a random Thursday night in October if he can do it, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the rest of us are fine, you know what I mean? But I think, see, yes, yes, yes asks something out of us. And I think some of us are, are like the Welsh backs, rugby backs, and we just sidestep things the whole time, you know what I mean? And we're like, I've got out of that, and I've got out of that, and I've, I've got out of that, and all that kind of stuff. Just say yes. And I encourage leaders to ask. And I encourage people to say, yes. Come on, let's stretch. Let's grow. Let's move forward. Let's do something that God wants us to do. Do you know what? If God's able to do more through us than we can think, do you know what that means? You can do more than you think you can. You can do more than you think you can. God, my life. No, you can do more than you think you can. Because God is able to do more than you think He can. You can do more. You can be more. You can love more. You can give more. You can serve more. You can receive more. You can accept more. We can care more. I come to Wales today because I want you to want more out of God. I want you to want more out of your community. I want you to dream more. 
I want you to believe for more. There's dreams in this place and people think they're over. The fact is God hasn't even got started with what he wants to do with you. The fact is in London in the last 15 years, we've seen 50,000 people saved. We have over, we had over 13,000 people this week. I don't tell you any of that. I don't even want you to tell anyone that. I tell you that if God can do it with a bunch of losers like us, okay, ordinary, everyday just, we are, we are average. Like, talk to me afterwards. I'm, I'm boring. I'm the most boring guy you've ever met. I'm going to talk about rugby. I'm going to talk about the weather. And then I've got nothing else to say. You know, I'm not, we aren't, none of us are, none of us are nothing. I mean, Des, he's the most boring guy you'll ever meet in your whole life. You know what I mean? He's, he's just boring. He's, no, I'm joking, Des. No, he's not. He's from South America, so he's, he's fun. But God uses ordinary people and he does extraordinary things. Do not count yourself out. Do not count yourself down. Don't think that God can do it because He wants to do a new thing in you. He wants to do something else. He wants to move in your life. And I just want to finish with this scripture. Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that. I want, to, I want to finish with this. Why don't we stand to our feet in this place tonight? And if you put up that slide, I'm feeling Welsh tonight. <laughs> I love this book. It's Brian Houston's book. It's called Live, Love, Lead. I don't get any money for telling you about it, okay, or anything like that. But this is what Pastor Brian says. He says, he goes, I never wanted to settle when our church started to grow. I simply just wanted to do what God was calling us to do. Maintaining a maintaining mentality has never, has never caused us to grow. And I feel as if God is stretching me, stretching us, daring us not to settle and daring us, church, not to get comfortable. Our church has been, church, has been nicknamed the church that never sleeps. <laughs> In many ways, it's a true depiction of a house that is always open. And I know your church has a reputation for helping countless people for being that light. Always moving from one service to the next. Always looking for the new thing. Always looking for what God wants to do. We don't stop to celebrate for too long because we don't want to be content to rest in the triumphs of the past. We're always looking to the future. Our loyalty to the future is greater than our loyalty to the past. The stretch on new leaders the urgency to create volunteer teams and disciple new Christians. These struggles can become overwhelming and at times feel uncomfortable. Yet, the, when things get uncomfortable, we can choose to focus on the end goal, salvation, discipleship, and God's glorious future. Now, this is what I want to encourage you with tonight. I encourage you, no matter how difficult the path gets, how distant the vision, how uncomfortable the stretch, to choose calling over comfort. And I think God's raising a generation. And there's a generation who is coming right now that means the same people alive at the same time who are willing to put down what we want to do for people that are yet to come. And, uh, and, and we're not content just to sit at home and play Angry Birds in our, in our bedrooms and watch miniseries. No, we want to go and we want to make a difference. And we want to bring people to church and we see something that's not there. And I want to encourage you. I'm just going to say, come on. 
See something that's not here. Look through eyes of faith. Put on your Ray-Bans of faith tonight and look around and see the most incredible people you've ever seen before because that's who God sees. Look around and see the most incredible leaders you've ever seen. That's who God sees they can be. Look, maybe you're annoyed with people in this place. No, no, no. How does God see them? How does God see people? How does God see you? What can God do? He wants to do something new. Come on, why don't we lift our hands in this place and then we'll sing. Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord Jesus, and a random Thursday in October, Father, and we lift up your name, Lord Jesus. We lift up your scripture. Holy Spirit, move in this place, Father. I, I speak, Lord, tonight you're speaking over people, Father. You want to do something new in people's lives. Lord, you want to breathe something fresh. You want to breathe faith. You want to bring hope. Lord, you want people to say yes in this place tonight, Lord Jesus. Father, you want people to, uh, Lord, you want people to encourage themselves in the Lord. You want people to have a positive outlook, Father. Whoever they are, Lord Jesus, be who you can only be, Lord Jesus. Do what you can do, Father. Holy Spirit, move in people's lives. Build your church. Build people. Restore people. Father, break people free of addictions and hope. Draw people. Draw people home. In your mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.